Welcome to Impacting Care. Inspiring stories from people who are impacting care together by raising awareness or improving diagnosis and access to care for people living with haemophilia and other blood disorders in low and middle income countries. This podcast is produced by the Novo Nordisk Haemophilia Foundation. And welcome. My name is Natalia. I'm a podcaster and presenter, and I'm happy to welcome you to a new episode of Impacting Care. Today, I'm talking to Clement Sefogiani, chairperson of the South African Haemophilia Foundation Youth Council. Uh, hi, I'm Clement Sefogiani. Um, I reside in Bloemfontein, South Africa, and in my spare time, I actually make music, and this is one of the few pieces that I actually wrote for this podcast. Clement, could you tell us a bit about yourself? Where do you live, your interests? Okay, I'm a 33-year-old severe hemophiliac, um, hailing from the mountainous area of South Africa, um, Grew up in a remote area called Putarichaba um, and now live in the judicial capital of the country in Bloemfontein. I'm a director of a few small companies. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, um, we, bo- we, we mostly focus on fashion, um, audio engineering. Um, I'm part owner of one small coffee shop. You're also a musician. We spoke a bit about that earlier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's the compass in my life, yeah, music. Let yeah. me ask you, can you remember how it was when you were a child? Um, coming from a family of five um, with um, three older brothers, sadly one passed on before I was even born. Um, all were hemophiliacs, including me. So my life was much more easier because um, the family was now more experienced, Um Access to care was now, even though it was a four-hour drive, um, when I was, up until I was five, it was usually a four-hour drive to get to the hospital. But because of the two elder brothers, um, life was a bit easier for me. Um, I was told from a young age what disorder I have, how I have to take care of myself, how to live a fulfilled life with... um, the disorder that I have. And I must say it was a blessing. Um, many people think it's actually a curse, but it was a blessing because it helped me stimulate my brain more than my physical being. So uh, I used to do activities that are more brain stimulating. Um, from the age of seven, um, eight, uh, I got home therapy, um, which literally changed my life a lot. Even though I was a naughty child, um, yeah, I would spend six months in the hospital, six months at home, um, which was the best part of my life. Um, I, I was a regular at the hospital, they would know. Um, Clement would either come in January up until June and then June to December, he's at home. And then we know he'll enjoy too much of his holidays. And then January is back here. Um, most of my primary schooling, I half of it was in the hospital. And even my teachers actually understood and my mom would bring me my schoolwork every weekend. And yeah. I love that your brothers also were helping you to understand the disorder. And, and it seems like um, that's almost what you're doing by some of your uh, work that you're doing, raising awareness about haemophilia. 
I think um, I usually say this. Every generation has got its own struggle that it needs to pick and um, try to attend to. So with with my brothers, it was um, access to treatment more than anything. Um, ensuring that um, someone that lives four away, four hours away from a treatment center, actually can take the treatment back home. So that um, we know the first eight hours are very pivotal for anyone with a bleeding disorder. So um, we made sure that in the first eight hours, I've got my treatment. Um, like I said, I was a very naughty child. Um, and I had struggles with my veins as a young child. So my brother, my eldest brother had to be the doctor in the house. He had to calm me down, um, tell me, look, um, this isn't your own doing first. That's that's how you would start everything. This is your own doing. The pain you're in is your own doing. You went and kicked someone's child and they kicked you back. And now this is where you are. So remember, you're different. But um, he always calmed me down. And by the time we finished that conversation, my treatment is already in my body. I did not even realize it. So yeah, he, he had a way and a technique to just calm me down and just say, look, this is life. Um, it's up to you what you make out of it. Yeah. Could you tell me about the South African Haemophilia Foundation and how you got connected and involved with that? Um, I got involved at a very young age. I think I was about 14. Um, I was a very inquisitive child. Um, so I would want to know who the role players are. Even at school, I was part of the debating team, had a few leadership roles at school. So I was one of those children that would say, okay, I know there's doctors, I know there's nurses, but where's the people that are like me? That's how I got into the foundation. And I started to learn, no, there's a structure, there's a committee that actually tries to advocate for people like me. And that's how I got involved. I was about 14 years when I got involved. I was invited to speak at a youth dialogue, um, which was a national youth dialogue. And I had to speak about my journey with hemophilia. And Nobody had ever heard about anything called hemophilia in an auditorium full of people. So, yeah, I must say it has educated me a lot and helped me to be a better adult because um, without me sharing my story, um, nobody else will know about it. And I think that's the most important thing about such organizations that people with such rare disorders just get given a platform to share their journey. Yeah, it's so important. So until recently, you were also the treasurer of the Haemophilia Youth of Africa. Can you tell us about this youth chapter and age group which is targeted? HYA um, was established in 2018 um, at the World Congress in Glasgow. And some of my counterparts in the country did um, attend. And the, the whole aim of the establishment of HYA was to actually address issues that are faced by young men and women with bleeding disorders on a youth level. Um, one of the few things we noticed is that we either come into the foundations way too late, um, or even if we come early, um, not much skills transfer is being done until it's a bit too late. Um, we just get given responsibilities for social media, things that are actually associated to you, social media, photography, all those other things. But the real nitty gritties of advocacy, um, project management, fundraising, we are never involved in. So HYA was established to actually 
fill that gap. So over the last three years, um, we have held trainings. Um, the recent one before the pandemic was in Mauritius, where we invited um, youths from about eight countries um, just to share knowledge. Um, the biggest thing we were emphasizing on was project management and communication skills because we noticed that many NMOs or organizations actually fail by just simply not knowing how to communicate well or to even articulate the stories properly. Then we had planned something um, towards the end of 2020 for French-speaking countries because, again, we've got that language barrier in Africa where you've got two segments of the continent, which is English-speaking and French-speaking. To my knowledge, I know that training for the Francophone countries is actually going to happen this year. Um, the guys have convened and yeah, they're on course to do that. What type of activities, in your opinion, strengthened the group and helped empower the young leaders at SAHF? Um, it was The biggest thing was it was sharing of um, what I would call institutional knowledge, um, the, the sharing of experiences. Um, as much as we can have so much documented um stuff um until you hear someone speaking about their own journey um it will not hit where it needs to hit so with us the biggest thing was sharing of experiences only to find out that some of the challenges we have are actually similar the biggest thing for us was sitting in a round table and actually sharing experiences and saying oh so south africa also has that issue because funny enough in our context everyone thinks south africa is so way ahead only to find out that the same challenges they face, we have faced and we still face and we are still working around them. Yeah. Have you also seen a shift in the youth engagement and participation? So one thing I've noticed with the youth is that the minute they get access to treatment and care, they actually forget that they need to be involved in ensuring that they are part of that group that still advocates for that because one thing I've learned with governments is that tomorrow they can wake up and literally strike that of a bill and access to treatment is gone, just like that, with one signature. So youth, um, we are still struggling to get them to participate. But the biggest thing as leaders or people that are actually involved in the day-to-day, -day, we need to give them a role to play. From a personal perspective, I also don't think I would be involved in the SAHF or any other organization in the bleeding disorder community if I was not given responsibilities that actually align with the skills and expertise I have. The sooner people understand how strenuous an advocacy campaign is for us to even get a seat at a meeting with government officials, they will never take it seriously. Um, and like I say, we need to open that platform first, that okay, guys, start to shadow the people that you want to emulate tomorrow. Because with the pandemic that happened, we, we all know that tomorrow is never guaranteed. But what, happened to, what happens to the knowledge that we actually have if I'm gone? Um, we need to start to say, us sharing the knowledge actually sustains the organizations way longer. Um, we, we are always... Um, asked to bring more innovative ways into organizations as the youth. But funny enough, um, we are never told what has been working and what has not been working all over these years. But you don't need to change it if it's not broken. Um, 
so until we understand the structure and where it was going and where it has been and where it failed, because it 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 spans across all volunteering organizations that there's a lack of volunteers. People are still dealing with a lot of poverty and unemployment and you showing them the value of their time by imparting whatever skills they have, whatever knowledge they have, and showing them the advantage of what they could gain. Um, I, I think the biggest thing is we need to take monetary value away from humanity as 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 a whole um people must understand that what i would do today might influence the way people live 50 years from now i might not be there but someone will never forget my name because they will say you know whatever method we are using today was developed by a volunteer at a south african foundation that dealt with one two three four but that principle we are still using till today and it has actually made the world a better place. Absolutely. Um, so in 2018, uh, you took part in the NNHF Haemophilia Leadership Training in Cairo, in Egypt. Um, what was your experience of that? Did it help you um, with the development of the Youth African Network? Um, the program was very well organised. Um, learned a lot um, in terms of the key components of running any organisation. Um, I'd still maintain project management and advocacy on any level is very important. And without proper communication, we cannot even achieve those. So um, that leadership course um, opened my eyes um, to think on a more global level. Um, Yes, the country I come from in the sphere that we operate in is much more experienced, so we have dealt with certain things. And I had to be patient with a lot of people and, and understand that their struggles might not be my struggles, but actually on a continental and global level, we are all struggling for the same thing. So what I have achieved, people can learn from that experience. And funny enough, one of the things I learned is that um, a country like Uganda had been able to actually get certain bills passed um, for circumcision for young boys, um, safe circumcision for young boys. Um, and they did not just advocate for bleeding disorders communities, but they actually created such a huge advocacy campaign so that it does not segregate anyone. That, look, as much as traditional circumcision is a big thing in this world, in our continent, but we need to do it safely so that we don't lose any young men. And and for South Africa, we've been struggling with that. And I, I learned their approach. And yeah, it, it has opened certain doors for us. And I'm glad to say that experience actually opened my eyes to say sharing of knowledge is the best thing we can do for each other. You're listening to Impacting Care from the Novo Nordisk Haemophilia Foundation. If you are enjoying this episode, Please make sure to subscribe to this podcast in your podcast player. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube. You're amongst the young leaders who have given responsibility to reach out to people with haemophilia in your area. What are the differences in access to haemophilia care for a person living in a rural area versus the main cities? 
the differences are huge. Um, luckily for us, we now have over 11 treatment centers and we are trying to get to a point where access to treatment gets to the nearest clinic, local clinic for anyone who's got a bleeding disorder. Um, it's it's tough, but um, we have made strides. Um, access to care is becoming a bit easier for a lot of people with bleeding disorders in our country. Um, our, our HTCs um, play a huge role and even our nurses, um, they play a huge role. Um, and during the pandemic, we even had volunteers from the organization actually delivering treatment to patients that could not access it quickly because of the restrictions that were there. So um, we have got a lot of partners that actually are supporting us. So yeah, the, the journey is is a bit easier for us. How did you try to reach out to other youths in the provinces and rural areas? Um Luckily for us, with one of the programs we have done with the NNHF, um, one of the key objectives was for us to have um, succession planning. So we had about 13 youths that were involved in the program and they came from different cities and provinces in the country. And one of the key things that we did um, for everyone was to say, when you go back home, try to form groups of young men and women where you discuss the condition, your challenges, how we can address them. And we have a youth group, a national one and and, an executive one, because we actually have a standalone executive committee or a council um, for our NMO. So we have those two and they've been working well, um, even though we have different struggles when it comes to internet connectivity and data, but the guys have been involved and we also have an active Facebook, national Facebook group where everyone can actually just tap in and share their experiences or whatever challenges they have and we try to address them. Um, you mentioned earlier um, the pandemic. Since the outbreak of COVID-19, um, you had to also find new ways to remain active and, and provide support to people with haemophilia. How did you do it? Yeah, the biggest thing for us was... Um, increasing activity on our Facebook group because um, that group is more open. There was a case of a fire at the hospital and the treatment center had to shut down for a while. So the best way we had to communicate with everyone was through Facebook and WhatsApp. Um, Those are the most accessible channels for our people. So even our website, we tried by all means to ensure that it's thoroughly updated with the latest notices and news. What is the vision for the future of SAHF? The future would be one where the body itself can be independent from the mother body and function in a way that it serves the broader youth community and the bleeding disorder communities that we have. Um, The biggest thing for me is ensuring that we have a generation of youth that is actually mentally healthy, they know that they can share whatever they're going through and there'll be someone there to just listen to them because at times that's what people just need. Um, I, I see the youth council or the youth committee of the SAHF being being that arm where it's a safe space for people with bleeding disorders and they actually feel at home and they know that they've got brothers and sisters that understand their condition and will never judge them.
as human beings. Absolutely. Is there anything that you would like to share with uh, younger members of the organization who are not yet taking a leadership role? My biggest share with them would be it's time for them to step up. Um, I, I think in any organization, people will get you involved if you show that you are hungry and if you show that you're willing to learn. The biggest thing is to be willing to learn. We need young people. We need um, new direction. If if they don't step up, who are we expecting to step up? Clement, thank you so much for talking with me today. Thank you, Natalia. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening. Please make sure to subscribe to this podcast. And if you want to start or get involved with a project where you live or find more information, please visit the Novo Nordisk Haemophilia Foundation website at www.nnhf.org. Bye for now. This podcast is intended for informational, educational and inspirational purposes only. Please speak with a healthcare professional before making any decisions relating to your health. The interviews in this series are with project partners, people with blood disorders and volunteers who are impacting care with the Novo Nordisk Haemophilia Foundation. Our guests haven't received compensation and the views expressed are those of the people interviewed.